What were some of the better moments from this year's past football season? Citrus Bowl had a lot of them. Had a punt return for a touchdown. Six total touchdowns in one game. James Pierce wreaking havoc. We're going to talk about it all here on a Friday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Friday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you for being here. You can always follow me on this podcast on X. That is at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. Big shout out to Game Time. This episode is brought to you part by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use that promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So we've got a whole lot to get into here today. Um, top moments for the 2023 season. We're going to go over and kind of discuss what I think some of the top moments are. I'd love to hear your input as well. In segment two, position power rankings. Which positions were the best for Tennessee this past football season? And then in segment three, we'll talk about an offensive tackle who was into the transfer portal. Obviously, Gerald Mincy is going to leave a hole that Tennessee's got to figure out on the offensive line in 2024. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right down into it and uh, discuss some of those top moments for Tennessee uh, from the 2023 season. Well, if you kind of start from the top, I, I think you look at James Pierce against Virginia, Dylan Sampson against Virginia, Dylan Sampson, uh, you know, he really vultured a couple of those touchdowns in that football game, but um, he had four total touchdowns in that football game, nine yard swing pass. That was the uh, season's first touchdown. Let's see here. He had, um, he became the first Tennessee running back since I believe John Kelly uh, to score uh, four four touchdowns in a football game. And that's first time since 2017. So um, that was big. You had James Pierce that had a couple of sacks on third down in that first half of that football game. And really that was kind of the coming out party for James Pierce because he went on to have an all SEC campaign, of course. Uh, Kamal Haddon against South Carolina, I thought was uh, thought was really good. Kamal Haddon was playing at, in my opinion, an All-American level there before his injury. Kind of sidelined him during the Alabama game. But against South Carolina, a year after he had probably one of his worst moments as an athlete when he was getting you know raked and raked and just beat over the top continuously and he was getting up talking crap the whole time. Yeah, we know that story. Against that same team, the following year at home in Neyland Stadium, Kamal Haddon had a pick six. And that was really, really cool to see kind of that 180 from where he was the year before against the game talk Gamecocks. And again, it was a pressure by James Pierce that forced a premature throw from Spencer Rattler, who at the time was playing some of the best football in the entire conference at the quarterback position. And Kamal Haddon able to step in front of it, uh, a throw that air mailed a little bit. It was third and long. So he was playing with a pretty deep cushion and uh, took it 28 yards to the house for a pick six. I thought that was Really, really cool, and obviously a moment you look back on with some fondness from this past football season. Joe Milton against Vanderbilt. Yeah, a lot of people have their opinions of Joe Milton, and that's fair. A lot of people think that Joe Milton shouldn't have been the starting quarterback all year long. That's fair if you want to believe that. Um, fact of the matter is, he was nowhere close to being as bad as some of the quarterbacks that have been here at Tennessee over the last 15 years. That is for sure. Um, he followed in Hendon Hooker's footsteps, which was – really challenging to do um, because Hendon Hooker was 
one of the better quarterbacks to play here in the last, you know, half quarter decade, right? Um, Josh Dobbs comes to mind. Of course, you go back to the Eric Ainge years, to Casey Clawson, of course, to Peyton Manning. Before Peyton Manning, he's Shuler and T. Martin won the national championship. There's not been a whole lot of quarterbacks since those guys that have done a whole lot, but you know, Joe Milton wasn't horrible. He was 27 total touchdowns. Six of those touchdowns, <laughs> six of those touchdowns came against Vanderbilt in the season finale and on, on the regular season finale and on senior day. Uh, Milton connected on touchdown passes of 56 yards, 10 yards, 34 yards, 46 yards to Ramel Keaton, McCallum Castle, Jacob Warren, and then Ramel Keaton once again. He had a pair of two-yard touchdown runs in that football game. Six total touchdowns for a Tennessee Volunteer. The first time that's happened since Jonathan Crompton did so back in 2009 against Memphis. And that was much needed because you wanted to end the season off on the right notes. Also, Tennessee came in in that contest on two lopsided affairs, Missouri and Georgia. So it was really, really cool to see Joe Milton kind of finish off the right way. Another moment that I think is would be considered one of the top moments from this past year's football season, the D. Williams punt return against Texas A&M. And not only the punt return, it was Tennessee punting really around midfield, punting to Texas A&M. Yeah, D. Williams out as a gunner out, out wide, and he runs down there, downs the punt inside the five-yard line, I believe at the one-yard line, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, at the one-yard line, Tennessee gets a three and out, of course, backed up deep into its own territory. A&M punts it away. D. Williams catches it, makes a man miss, and takes it back to the house for the 39-yard special teams touchdown. That was really, really cool to see. Of course, D. Williams was a pretty good returner here in two years at Tennessee. Never cracked the rotation to cornerback. Never had a significant role on one side of the football. Of course, he was playing a little wide receiver there towards the end for Tennessee. But on special teams, had a couple of really nice returns. Remember when he burst onto the scene at LSU um, after missing the first couple of games of the season with injury? And then, of course, he returned to punt. Was it 74 yards? Uh, it was It was a long punt return against Vanderbilt last year, and of course this one against Texas A&M. I mentioned Dylan Sampson against Virginia. What about Dylan Sampson against Kentucky? It was uh, a banged up both uh, both Jabari Small and Jalen Wright, and Tennessee was needing to get a little cushion, get a little insurance there in the fourth quarter against Kentucky on the road. Sorry, I'm, I'm taking a, a, a sip of water as my voice is still, back, still not back to where I want it to be. Um... But it was Sampson that took over that fourth quarter. 91 all-purpose yards for Dylan Sampson in the fourth quarter alone for Tennessee against Kentucky. Uh, that last 12-yard touchdown run gave Tennessee an 11-point lead at the time. and proved very important as Kentucky later brought the game back within one score. So Dylan Sampson against Virginia, Dylan Sampson against Kentucky. Some things worth mentioning. And then Jalen Wright, really. I mean, Jalen Wright had a phenomenal season. We know he's the 19th. You know, 1,000-yard rusher in Tennessee history, 7.39 yards per attempt, led all FBS running backs. He produced six 100-yard games. Um, He had 35 rushes for 10-plus yards. That was second highest amongst SEC tailbacks. Just one of six FBS players to produce multiple runs of 70-plus yards on the season. So it's not really an individual moment, but it's really a collection of moments. The explosive runs by Jalen Wright. Um, he only had four touchdown runs on the year, but it's interesting if you think about it, okay? Touchdown runs of 75 yards, 82 yards, 52 yards, and 42 yards all came on the opening possessions of the ball game. 
that that's wild to believe. 42 yards against South Carolina came on the opening possession. 52 yards came on the opening possession against Kentucky. 82-yard touchdown run came on the second play of the ball game against UConn. 75-yard touchdown run against the top-ranked Bulldogs came on the first play from scrimmage. And that is the highlight that Jalen Wright is showing every NFL team out there. Draft me. Look what I did on play number one against the Georgia Bulldogs. I thought that was interesting. Also, got a couple from the Iowa game. Of course, we talked about a lot this week. James Pierce, strip sack fumble, setting up Tennessee first and goal from the four-yard line. Nico Imaliava scoots in there uh, for his third rushing touchdown of the day at that point. And then later, before the end of the game, it's a 52-yard pick six from James Pierce, the edge rusher, who was dropping back into his hook curl and pushing flat on the out route, picks off Deacon Hill, and returns it for a touchdown. James Pierce started the season off, just like Dylan Sampson, they started the season off on a high note against Virginia, end the season on a high note against uh, Iowa in the Citrus Bowl, and of course, Dylan Sampson, his first start, the quietest 133-yard performance I think you're ever going to see. And then finally, of course, Nico. Nico against Iowa. Talked about it all week. Didn't have to be Superman through the air, but four total touchdowns, three rushing against a defense that allowed just four rushing touchdowns on the season. All told, Nico had three. One was a scramble. Two others were design quarterback runs, a sweep and a draw. And, of course, Nico finished off with an 18-yard touchdown pass to McAllen Castle. So those are some of my top moments from the 2023 football season. Would love to hear if, if I missed any. Which moment was the best of the best, in your opinion? Would love to hear from you at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Vols. More to come here as we continue with a Friday edition of Locked on Vols. Here in a moment, we will hear from our friends over at FanDuel. What to say about our friends, FanDuel. FanDuel's America's number one sports book. New customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. This app is so easy to use. It's there for so many different ways to bet, such as live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab as well. Make parlays in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays, a whole lot more, including spreads, player props, totals. We love overs here at Locked On Vols. All that and more on the safe, secure, easy-to-use app. Put some coin in your pocket by checking out FanDuel. The 150 in bonus bets guarantee when you place a $5 bet. That's a $5 bet, 150 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. All that and more, you can find it at FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. All right, boys and girls, we got a uh, segment number two here on a Friday show. Appreciate you for being here. We'll get to Gerald Mincy going to the transfer portal and what now for the Vols in segment number three. But first, positional power rankings for Tennessee from the 2023 season. I'm going to go in reverse order here. Would love your input as well. I'd underscore Kaner and a locked on balls. Tell me where I'm wrong. I'm going to rank in reverse order from nine all the way down to one, the positions that were the best for Tennessee in 2023. At number nine, in last place, I'm going to go with the wide receivers. I've said it a couple different times this week. I was wrong. I thought I thought Tennessee's wide receivers were going to be better. I thought Ramel Keaton, from what I saw in 2022, I thought we were going to see a little bit more of that this year. He was never truly the same after dropping that touchdown bomb, uh, what would have been a touchdown, 70-yard bomb from Joe Milton against Virginia. He was just never the same. 
Romel Keaton was not the same. He regressed. Um, he had issues with drops all season long. Jalen Hyatt, the Belenikoff award winner, was gone. Cedric Tillman, a fellow third-round wide receiver, was gone. Brew McCoy was injured in game number five. He was gone for most of the year. Dante Thornton, who myself, I was so thrilled about, and I'm still not giving up on the guy. I still think that he can do a lot of things, but he never showed up, essentially, right? And so he was not good. Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod did some things, but they're not Cedric Tillman, right? They're not Javante Payton. They're not some of these guys that Tennessee's had in years past. Squirrel White was pretty solid. Squirrel White was solid, but overall, Squirrel White, the bright spot, he finished 10th in the Southeastern Conference with 764 yards on 64 receptions and two touchdowns prior to the bowl game. He doubled Ramel Keaton's 32 catches on the year. Um, just not a whole lot of explosive, not, not a whole lot of explosion in that group, not a whole lot of explosive plays, and I think that really hurt Tennessee in 2023 and also maybe a little bit of that has to do with the quarterback you know we'll see next year when nico's a quarterback but for the first time at tennessee with josh heupel there was not a lot of ex not a whole lot of explosive plays for tennessee in the aerial attack number eight let's go linebackers i still like the depth of this group but it also dealt with some injuries one injury of co of note key injury following week one was of course keenan peely and that threw a wrench in the developmental process of those young guys. You love the two veterans and Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely, and you love the collection of young players behind them to learn, to watch, to grow, uh, to get a little bit of playing time here, to develop. But with the injury to Keenan Peely, that was all accelerated. You had Elijah Herring that was then thrust into a starting role a little bit prematurely, in my opinion. You had Aaron Carter that was probably going to go from getting about 10 snaps a game to getting about 20 to 25 snaps a game. And then when he gets hurt, you have Jeremiah T. Lander that was barely getting any run to then starting to, to, to get a whole lot more running than taking a bite out of uh, a bite out of Elijah Herring's, you know, play snaps as well. So it was just a really young group, but it was not a very polished group, not very good in pass coverage, missed some tackles, um, not a very good out of the box group, but overall a group that was young and a group that was still trying to learn on the fly, just probably maybe a year too early, if that makes sense. One key injury really threw a wrench in the whole developmental process. But gosh, man, you you give so much credit to Brian John Marie for force feeding those young guys, just force feeding them. Um, you know they're going to be better for it. And Aaron Beasley started off playing really, really good to begin the season. I got to think he was banged up, man. I got to think that he was hurt and he was kind of limping towards the finish line because the Aaron Beasley in twenty twenty two at the end. And the beginning of 2023, Aaron Beasley was not the same guy in November of this past football season. I think that's pretty pretty evident. Number eight would be linebackers. Number seven, defensive backs. Hey, this group improved. You don't have to believe it. You can say fire Willie Martinez all you want, fire Tim Banks all you want. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Sure, there were some shortcomings. There were for sure. They were far from perfect. But this group continues to get better every single year. And I've said countless times already this week all you guys that wanted to start over in the defensive secondary you're getting your wish brand new secondary next year all those guys are gone <laughs> but in 2023 Kamal Hab was having an all-american year he was he needs to wrap up at Florida I get that but Kamal Hab was having an all-american year at the time of his injury he was tied for third in college football with 11 passes defended he was tied 14th nationally with three interceptions he, he had one pick six, his 90.5 coverage grade ranked first among SEC defensive backs 
and fourth in college football through week eight. He was having an All-American year. Jalen McCullough had a good year. Yeah, I said it. Jalen McCullough had a good year. Okay. Pro football focus, something, not everything. But his grade of 84.9, considered the 12th best grade among safeties in the country. The third highest safety grade in the SEC. Plus his three interceptions tied for the team lead. Jalen McCullough had his best year in orange this past year. Um, injuries really hurt Tennessee secondary. Kamal Haddon, Danico Slaughter was hampered by injuries all year long. Tamari McDonald, Wesley Walker, Jordan Thomas all missed time. And I thought that Tennessee kind of obviously did not benefit from that, not having the guys on the field. They never had a really set rotation back there in the defensive backfield. But still, Tennessee's pass defense improved by nearly 60 yards per game in 2023. Tennessee's 234 uh, passing yards allowed on average, ranked 10th in the league. So still, continued to improve, had a whole lot more, more ways to go. 10th in the league is not the standard. Continues to improve, needs to get a whole lot better. I think we can all agree on that. Number six is quarterback. We talk about the quarterback all the time, Joe Milton. He was far from horrible, but he was also far from being elite like what I thought Hendon Hooker was. Somewhere in the middle, right? 27 total touchdowns he accounted for. Um, you know, Three consecutive years, Hendon Hooker twice, Joe Milton this year. A player accounts for over 3,000 yards. Um, you know, Tennessee's not done that in a long, long time. You know, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because we talk about the quarterback all the time. Joe Milton, he was not horrible. He was not great. He was middle of the road. He, quarterback position comes in six in the positional power rankings for me. Number five would be specialist. Um, Jackson Ross had a rough first game, we remember. From there, I thought the Aussie punter did a really, really nice job. He was a weapon for Tennessee. He averaged 43 yards a punt, which is not great, but he punted with his left. He punted with his right, rugby style. He had... Nine punts at 50-plus yards. 18 of his punts landed inside the 20-yard line. He was really good for Tennessee. Plus, his rugby style played games with the return game and allowed Tennessee to only give up. And get this, in three years under Mike Eckler and, and Josh Heupel, here Mike Eckler, special teams coordinator, in three years, Tennessee's given up 23 punt return yards. That's really good. That is really good. Uh, Charles Campbell took over for Chase McGrath, did a really, really good job. At one point in the season, he was perfect from 49 yards in. Um, at one point, he was 18 to 23. Let's see here. He connected on 18 to 23 for 78% clip in 2023. Um, he was good on all 44 PATs. At one point, he was like 16 to 16 field goals. He couldn't kick the long ball like he did at Indiana. But overall, really solid season. Josh Turberville as well was a weapon, man. He can boot that sucker through the end zone every time almost. Um, Tennessee specialists were pretty good. They're the fifth. They come in at fifth on the power rankings. Number four is going to be the offensive line. It was a work in progress all year long. Miss Cooper Mays for the first four games, had to take your guard. Ollie Lane slotted him down to center. Andre Carrick experiment wasn't that great at left guard. Injuries at tackle all year long. Still, they blocked for the second best rushing attack in the SEC, 202.5 yards per game. That's 12th in the country. Uh, Tennessee's 5.5. Tennessee's 5.59 yards per attempt. This is all before the bowl game. It was the second best in the conference, 12th best in the country. Of course, Jalen Wright had a 1,000-yard rusher, the first 1,000-yard rusher for Tennessee since 2015. All the musical chairs still only allowed, I think, 27 sacks on the year, including the bowl game, including the six in the bowl game that they gave up. Offensive line was a work in progress. Don't get me wrong. 
but it was one of the best rushing attacks in the SEC. Credit the big boys up front. They did a great job. Number three is the tight end position. You know how I feel about the tight end position, how um, Josh Hopple has to keep a tight end on the field to keep up with tempo, to not allow the defense to substitute and all that. Man, I thought McCallum Castles was so great out of the transfer portal. Uh, Jacob Warren as well. They split snaps virtually 50-50, complete 50-50. They combined for 38 receptions for 474 yards and nine touchdowns. Five receiving touchdowns for McCallum Castles, four receiving touchdowns for Jacob Warren. That's really, really good. Plus, just talked about all the success of the run game. Those tight ends have a very big role in that run game. Hats off to the tight ends. Number three on my list. Number two is the defensive line. 36 sacks on the year, second the SEC, 10th in college football, the most sacks in program history since 2000. Omar Norman Lott from the interior, five and a half sacks. Tyler Barron, who entered the transfer portal, six sacks from the edge. James Pierce, we know about James Pierce, um, actually finished the year tied for the SEC lead with 10 sacks because of his bowl game performance. He was phenomenal. Tennessee's defensive line, abundance in numbers, did a great job. They're going to be good in 2024 as well because the majority of those guys are returning, minus Tyler Barron. Tennessee's defensive line was really, really good in 2023. And then ultimately, number one, the coming into my power rankings for Tennessee, the running backs. Talked about the, the running backs a, a, a little bit with the offensive line. Jalen Wright, I think he could have been an All-American at the game of the ball more. Jabari Small was an excellent number two option. Dylan Sampson was a home run hitter, and we, of course, we know that he was second on the team with eight total touchdowns, was Dylan Sampson. Just phenomenal. Tennessee's running backs were really, really good. So let me know if you let me know if you agree with me. Tennessee positional power rankings for 2023. Number one, the running backs. Number two, the defensive line. Number three, the tight ends. Number four, the offensive lines. Number five, the specialists. Number six, the quarterback. Number seven, the defensive backs. Number eight, the linebackers. And number nine, the wide receivers. Would love to hear from you guys at underscore Kaner and at Lockdown Balls. Hey, when we come back, Gerald Mincy to the transfer portal. That and a whole lot more. It's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Do you want to tell you about our friends over at Game Time? Game Time, you shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is a fast and easy way uh, to buy tickets for your next big event. Sports, music comedy, theater, all those things near you. Killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, the best price guarantee you can find it over at Game Time. Plus, they have the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, even job loss protection, so they have your back. What does the lowest price guarantee mean? Well, if you find a cheaper seat in the same section than you find it over on the Game Time app, they're going to credit you 110% of that ticket price. Not a lot of places are going to do that for you, but game time will. You can see the view of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what you're getting. Download the game time app today, create an account, use the promo code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account, redeem code locked on, L O C K E D O N. That's locked on for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, guys, we got a final segment left here of this Friday edition of Locked On Vols and some big-time news coming in Thursday, really evening, about the 5.15 Eastern time mark of your Thursday evening. Uh, Gerald Mincy is going to the transfer portal, and, and this is, you know, I was talking with my dad the other day, and we were kind of just talking about, I mean, he follows along, he watches the show, 
um, every day. And I really appreciate him for doing that. But we talk ball and we talk Tennessee football and everything. And we were just kind of having a frank conversation on where college athletics is right now and how frustrating it is, um, you know, compared to what it used to be. And it's never been perfect. And I'm not going to sit here and act like no coach, no football program ever pay recruits under the table. I mean, that, that happened for years. That happened for decades, okay? But, you know, I can be for name, image, and likeness. This is just my opinion, right? I can be for name, image, and likeness, and I can be for the one-time transfer rule. I can be for a lot of things. But when you throw it all together, all in a short amount of time, which is what we've seen, the COVID year, NIL, transfer, the multi-year transfer now. We're throwing all this together all in the span of a year and a half. It's taken college football and changed it into something completely different. The calendar is on drugs, okay? The month of December is drunk. <laughs> um, $9 million is what Josh Heupel makes a year. $9 million is a lot of money. A lot of people say, I'll do anything for $9 million. I'm telling you right now, I would not coach football at all right now. I would not be a head coach of a football program because I love football. I'm not a coach, but I love football. I don't love football enough to go through what all the crap they're going through right now. Um, my point is this. A little frustrating when we kind of get into what I'm about to talk about right now because you have a transfer player who came to Tennessee and was the starting, well, he split it with J.J. Crawford, but Gerald Mincy I'm talking about, starting left tackle for the best offense in the country in 2022. Was a part-time starter a little bit in 2023. And then because of this COVID year, which again, 10 years ago didn't exist, but there's another year of eligibility and you get to use it again. And now he gets to transfer again because the court ruled earlier, like or two weeks ago that, you know, Ford transfers to transfer again. We are getting to a point guys where it's straight up free agency every single year. I'm all about player empowerment. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that too. I mean, I, you know, I, I think you should be able to profit off your name, image, and likeness because the universities are, because for darn sure the head coaches are, right? They're not the ones going out there putting their lives in danger, you know, going out there, you know, bigger, faster, stronger players than they've ever been before. So I'm for a lot of this stuff. What I'm not for is free agency every single year. I hate that. What I'm not for is having to reevaluate your roster, which is, which is what you're doing, having to reevaluate, reevaluate your roster, say that 10 times fast, and having to reset and re-recruit your team every single year. Now, there's a difference in not liking it and not getting on board with it. Again, I was just talking with my dad, and I wasn't trying to coerce him. I wasn't trying to encourage him. I was just saying, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that are just so fed up with this and everything, and, you know, they're, 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 they're just not liking it. You know, that's fine. But right now, none of this is going anywhere. So if you love football and you love the Vols or you love, you know, whatever team there is out there, you just got to accept it and accept it for what it is right now. Amateur sports is out the door. This is not amateur sports anymore. This is free agency. This is minor leagues. It is what it is. Still a lot to be excited about. Um, you can look at it a number of different ways. You can kind of rebuild your roster every single year. You can go get attractive players from the transfer portal. That's exciting. We talk about it every single day here on Lockdown Balls. Um, it's just a lot. There's a lot. And this example with Gerald Mincy is one that, that really just kind of irks me. Because, again, you have a player that went to Florida, okay, decided that wasn't the place for him, 
And I'm not, I'm not discrediting Gerald Mincy at all. I mean, he can go make whatever decision he wants to. He's allowed to do it. I'm just using him as an example because it's topical. Gerald Mincy starts his career at Florida. That's not the place for him. Enters the transfer portal, comes to Tennessee, finds success. It was never roses. It was never roses with Gerald Mincy. Let me be abundantly clear. It was never roses, right? It comes to Tennessee and finds success. And then now you can leave again because it's allowed. I hate that ruling. I hope they put an end to it. I hate that ruling. That allows guys like Wesley Walker as well, who entered the portal a couple weeks ago because of the new ruling. One-time transfers can transfer again. I hate that. I hate that, hate that, hate that. So anyway, that brings us here to where we are right now. Gerald Mincy's into the transfer portal. I'll say this. I don't think he's always been the best teammate. I don't know for a fact. I'm not in that locker room, but from conversations, I just kind of get the impression he's never been the best teammate. He's not been the best friend with everybody on the team. And that's fine. You have players like that in the locker room. But I'll tell you what, I gained a lot of respect for Gerald Mincy the last month or so of the football season. Dude was going through a serious injury, going through a serious injury with his knee. And Tennessee was you know, dropping tackles left and right, right? I mean, you know, you had John Campbell that was injured a bunch and you know, this player here, this player here. Gerald Menzi was injured the last couple of games of the season and in the bowl game. And he goes out there and he puts his body out there for the team was trying to play, trying to play and trying to play. If you remember the Alabama game, he tried to play, couldn't finish. Remember a couple of those other games towards the end of the season, just couldn't finish, but he was out there for 25 plays, 45 plays, whatever the case is. I, I earned a lot. I gained a lot of respect for Joe Mincy the last little part of the season because he, he gave everything he had. He did. So is he an all sec tackle? No, he's not. Did he want to play left tackle? And I think that's part of the reason why he's leaving. Absolutely. I think he, in his mind, he views himself as a left tackle and he's got people saying, Hey, left tackles, go make money. Left tackles, make money. Left tackles, make money. Darnell Wright, Number 10 overall right tackle made money last year, making money right now. So, um, it's a loss for Tennessee. Is it a humongous loss that you can't overcome? No, but it is a loss for Tennessee because he started a lot of football games. And, you know, he's a guy that knows the system. He's a guy that is good enough to play. Again, I'm not trying to say that he was a choir boy. I'm not trying to say that he was an all-SEC tackle. He was not. He was a part-time starter while at Tennessee. Always had the potential. Always was supposed to be the guy, but really was a part-time starter his entire career here. But he played a lot of meaningful football for Tennessee. He's gone. He's entering the transfer portal. Now, what do you do if you're Tennessee? Well, John Campbell's a tackle on one side. You return Dane Davis, who has got tons of experience starting. He's a career backup, but start of the Citrus Bowl, he's got tons of experience starting a tackle. So you feel good about that. You've got Sham Umarov, who's a freshman tackle coming in. He's still developing and all that. Um, you've got Bennett Warren, who's a highly rated prospect coming in. And uh, he's he's a guy that you hope can develop quickly and be an option potentially to play some tackle or at least be a, a key backup. You got Brian Grant on the roster, but he's been hurt a lot of times. But again, there's not a whole lot of development at offensive tackle. That's why Tennessee, the last two cycles, have gone out and got an offensive tackle. Went out and got Gerald Mincy after the 21 season. Went out and got John Campbell after the 2022 season. And will Tennessee go get an offensive tackle now? I think they will. Um, will it be the Kansas transfer? Oh, goodness. I wrote down his name. Hold on, guys. 
Hold on, guys. Let me find his name. It's a weird name. Here it is. Will it be the Kansas offensive lineman that Tennessee showed interest in here lately, trying to get on campus for a visit? Or Maje Reed Adams? I don't know if that's how you say his name, but that's that's my best guess. Um, offensive tackle, Kansas. Entered the transfer portal earlier this week. He's played in 31 games, 14 starts in four years. He started all 11 games he played in this past season at right tackle. Helped pave the way for Kansas to finish the top 10 rushing attack with 206 yards per game. That'd be a nice little option. That's a name that Tennessee is evaluating in the transfer portal. Former offensive lineman from Kansas. So I don't know if it'll be him, but Tennessee continues to look at offensive tackle bodies. Tennessee continues to look at offensive guard bodies as they continue to try to finish off this transfer portal cycle here before the 2024 season. Best of luck to Joe Mincy. Again, like I said, gained a lot of respect for him, the way he played, the way he competed and gave his all the last couple of weeks when he was clearly injured. But I hate the rule. I hate, hate, hate the rule that players can leave whenever they want, essentially. Transfers who have already transferred can transfer again. Can't stand that. Anyway, that is the rule. It's allowed right now. So Gerald Mincy, Wesley Walker, other players around the country can take advantage of that. And so they are. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in here this week on Locked on Balls. Appreciate it. Um, back on Monday's show, recap everything that happened from over the weekend. And uh, we'll get into some fun topics. Got a whole lot of fun topics I want to get into here coming up uh, next week. So, guys, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Stay safe this weekend. This is Locked on Balls.